Judah to seek him. I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on the subject, prayer, praise, and victory. Would you stretch your hands this way and ask for the Lord to anoint me today? Father, we just thank you. We praise you today for your mighty hand that is upon us, O oh Lord. Thank you for what you've done already. Lord, I ask for your anointing upon my life. Lord, as I preach today, give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so absolutely necessary to do what you've called me to do. And Father, as this body of believers, as this family prays for me, I pray for them that you'd open their hearts, their minds, and their spirits. Lord, those listening by podcast, Lord, everyone that hears this, I pray that the Word of God would fall on good ground and bring forth a mighty, mighty harvest. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. If y'all could give me just a little bit more of myself in the monitors here, I would appreciate it and, and bring up those house lights so nobody goes to sleep on me this morning either. Prayer, praise, and victory. We find, amen. <laughs> we find that Jehoshaphat is the king at this point in time in Scripture and that he had received sudden bad news. The bad news was this, that a huge army made up of several different nations were headed his way to destroy him and his entire nation. How many of you have ever suddenly got bad news before? Maybe it was in the form of a bill you received. Maybe it was in the form of your boss calling you in and telling you you're about to be laid off or you're about to be fired. Maybe it was in the form of sitting in front of your doctor and him telling you that what you thought was something just minor is actually something major. I think most of us at some point in our life have received sudden bad news. And Jehoshaphat was in this place. He had received news of something that was bigger than him. Listen, if it might have been one nation, it might would have been all right. But there was an army made up of several different nations that had come together and were determined that they were going to wipe Jehoshaphat and his nation off the face of the earth. It's nothing different from today, and I know I don't want to go deep into this right now, but let's be honest with you. What continually, what comes back in our news over and over and over, the nation of Israel, the fact that there are nations that are determined to wipe them off of the face of the earth. I'm not getting into that too deep this morning. But like a true man of God should, he made up his mind to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast in Israel. You see, I believe that what God is looking for in us is how we will respond to the things that come our way. He's looking to see how we will react when trouble comes our way, when trials come our way, when sudden bad news comes our way that we can do nothing about in ourselves. He's looking to see how we'll respond. And Jehoshaphat responded correctly. He made up his mind that they would seek the Lord and it proclaimed a fast. And the people of the nation quickly assembled, the scripture tells us, and began to cry out 
to the Lord for his help. Church, I want to remind you that that is where the answer still is today. When we find ourselves in trouble, when we find ourselves in a mess, when we find ourselves with a problem that is bigger than we can ever handle on our own, the answer still lies in falling on our knees, falling on our faces, and calling out to the God of heaven heaven and asking him to help us in our time of difficulty. Somebody say amen. So I want to look at a few things this morning. What happened here? Well, let's look first of all, number one, at how they asked for help. Well, we find here in verse six of our text that they, first of all, expressed their confidence as they asked for help. Verse six says this, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. You see, as they begin to pray, they begin to express their confidence in the Lord. They begin to talk about, oh Lord God of our Father, you're the one that's in heaven. You hold all power in your hand. You rule over all the kingdoms and the nations. And I believe that that's what we need to do when we pray. We need to come in prayer and say, Lord, I know that you're still on the throne. I know that you rule and reign over this entire planet. I know right now it seems like it's in chaos. I know right now it seems like that nobody's in control. But God, I rely on you and I know that you are still in control, that you own this earth that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. We're reminded today that God is still on the throne, that we're not praying to a God sitting on a shelf. We're not praying to a God that is dead in the grave somewhere. We are praying to the true and the living God. So as we pray and we seek him, I encourage you, put that in your prayers. You say, well, God knows who he is. Of course he knows who he is is, but he wants it to come out of your mouth. As you seek him and his help, he wants it to come out of your mouth to speak it and proclaim it and to admit it. You know why? Part of it is, I believe, that when you begin to speak it and proclaim it, I believe that the devils and the demons of hell begin to tremble and begin to shake when you begin to declare the mighty power that is in the name of Jesus. Jesus. So we must believe when we pray. As they express their confidence, in other words, they believed it when they prayed. Matthew 21 and 22. And all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. You see, when we pray, we need to have confidence in our prayers. I can stand up here and admit to you that there have been times where I have prayed, and I didn't have a lot of belief in my prayers. Now, y'all can look at me, and y'all can be like, oh, God, you're a pastor. How can that happen? But I'll be honest with you. There have been times, and not every time, and not most of the time, but there have been a few times in my life where I have prayed. And I've been praying, and I'm like, hey, God, I'm asking you, but I just don't know if it's going to happen. Come on, how many of you would be honest and say you've done that before, too? 
I've done it. I've prayed, and I've, I've just, there's been that little bit of doubt, and this just seemed really big, and I didn't know if God really wanted to do that, and a hundred different reasons that would go through my mind, and I'm praying it, but I don't really believe it. You see, Scripture, Jesus there talking about it said, when you pray, you need a what? You need a believe. When you're praying for something, you need to believe that God is going to do it. They ask for help, how they ask to express their confidence. And then they begin to speak what God had done in the past. Look at verse 7, chapter 20 still there. Verse 7, O God, O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham your friend, they have built, they have lived in it and built the sanctuary in your name. You see, we find here that they not only proclaimed their confidence in God, but then they began to speak what God had done in the past. You see, I believe that that's crucial when we're praying. When we're asking God for something, I believe that it builds our faith to begin to recite what God has done for us in the past. How many of you can say, God has done something for me before? God has answered a prayer for me before. You see, there's just something about it. When I begin to pray, when I, you see, so we get so carried on, we're so, we want to just get everything done, and we just want to rub we think God's a genie we want to rub the magic lamp and give our request and get it no prayer's not that prayer's about relationship you listen your little three-word prayer I know that there's times and there's instances and emergencies where yeah all it takes is just to speak the name but then there are times where prayer doesn't need to just be a few words there's time that you've got to intercede before the Lord there's times that you've got to call out to him and in our prayer we need to take time and say, Lord, I'm believing you for this thing, but I know, I remember back then you did this. I remember back there you did that. They begin to say, Lord, we know. We've heard the stories of how we were just a bunch of slaves for the Egyptians, but you brought us up out of Egypt. You delivered us from Pharaoh. You took us to a land flowing with milk and honey, a land that was filled with giants, and you helped us to conquer this land. And if you helped us back there, you will help us today. Folks, that's the way we've got to pray. Lord, I know that you helped me then. I remember when I was sick and you healed me. Lord, I remember when I was out of money, I was broke as a joke, and you came in and provided for me. Lord, I remember when danger was coming near, but you protected me and you protected my family. And so therefore I know because of what you've done before, it gives me faith and confidence to believe that you can do it again. They began to talk about what God had done in the past and then they confessed their condition. You see, they began to talk about where they were. Look at verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? Look at this, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Leave that up there, if you will, for me. 
So we see a couple things here. First of all, they said, we have no power. Everybody say, no power. We have no power to face this vast army. You see, they said, we realize, I said at the beginning, you know, maybe if it had been one army, maybe even if it had just been two armies, but this is a whole bunch of armies that are coming against us, and we just simply do not have the power in ourselves to take care of them. They said, we have no plan. They said in this verse, we don't even know what to do. Now, maybe you've never been there before, but the pastor will admit, I've been there before. Been to one of those places before where you're like, God, I can't handle this. And not only can I not handle this, I don't even know what to do. Now, we don't like to admit that a lot, do we? We don't like to admit that we're not in control. We don't like to admit that. But there are times where God wants us to say, just be honest and come before him. I don't have the power. I don't have a plan. I don't have, I don't know what to do. Now, this is where, listen, this is where I have a problem with a lot of the word of faith movement. Because the word of faith movement would tell you, oh, don't speak that. Don't say that. No, right here it is. Right here it is. They said, Lord, we can't handle it. We don't have the power. We don't have the plan. We can't do anything here. Folks, there is nothing wrong. What this is, I believe, is humbling yourself before the Lord and saying, God, I'm not trying to speak things onto my life. Listen, if it's happening, it's happening. If there's four armies coming at you, there's four armies coming at you whether you say it or not. Listen, I know it's very small, but listen, Thursday night, my finger kept bleeding for an hour and a half. Whether I confessed it or not, it was bleeding. When you look at the doctor and he says you have cancer and right there on the screen is the proof of it, you have, saying that you have it, I don't believe, I, that's why I don't like that garbage. Saying you have it is not the problem. I believe that when you lay it before the Lord then, they then lifted their souls to God and said, our eyes are upon you. You see, that's the key. That's the key right there. Now what we don't need to do is put our eyes on the problem. Confess it, Lord, I got a problem. For Jehoshaphat, Lord, there's a big old army, a big old conglomeration of a bunch of armies coming together to destroy me. I got a problem. We don't have the power. We don't even really know what to do. But then it said, they, our eyes are upon you. So here's the deal. Where now we begin to come to this place. I don't believe it's a lack of faith when you say you got a problem. Listen, I believe it's a lack of faith when you don't think you got a God big enough that you can say, I've got a problem. How many people came to Jesus when he was on earth? Lord, he said, what do you need? I'm blind. I need to see what do you need? My daughter is home at sick. What do you need? My servant is homesick. What do you need? Just say it to Jesus. But then when you confess it and you say, this is my need, but they say, my eyes are upon you. You see, once you say, Lord, I've got this problem, then it's time to put your eyes on Jesus. Don't keep staring at the problem. Don't keep reciting the problem. Don't get yourself lost in the problem. No. Say, Lord, I got a problem, but my 
eyes are on you. I've got enemies trying to destroy me, but my eyes are on you. I've got a sickness in my body, but my eyes are on you. My kids and my grandkids are lost, but my eyes are on you. My boss said it. I may get fired. I may lose my job, but my eyes are on you. I don't have the money to pay these bills, but my eyes are on you. Listen, just keep your eyes on Jesus when you can't handle it and you don't even know what to do. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Our eyes are on you. Number two, how they received it. What then began to happen? Well, by an encouraging word. Look at verse 17. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Somewhere along the way, some preacher is going to preach something, and it's for you. I've had it before. Somewhere along the way, you're going to be reading your devotions, and the verse is going to drop in your spirit, and that was for you. Somewhere along the way, maybe a friend, maybe a coworker, maybe a fellow church member is going to call you or see you or text you and just drop that encouraging word in you. I can't tell you how important it is for us to be encouragers of one another. That we need to encourage one another, to encourage each other when we're going. Listen, you may not even have to know that somebody's going through something to feel led of the Lord to bring encouragement to them. Somebody say amen. We find an encouraging word came. There was a calming of their fears. He said, do not be afraid or discouraged. And then they were urged to greater faith. Look at verse 20. Verse 20. Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. You see, can I just, God sent me by here to encourage somebody today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. But just like it was said to Israel then, I say it to you. I encourage you, believe in the Lord. Believe in the Lord. Believe in his prophets. Believe in his word. Put your faith in God, not in a pastor, not in a man, not in a denomination, not even in a local church, but put your faith in the Lord and you will prosper. And by direction from the Lord, verse 16, we find the Lord tells them this, tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. We read it already. You won't have to fight up 
You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see God's deliverance. There was a time, remember, in the beginning of this, they said, we have no power and we have no direction. We don't have the ability and we don't even know what in the world we're supposed to do. Listen, I need to speak to somebody that says, I need direction from the Lord. The place you're going to find it is in seeking the face of God. The place that you find the direction from God is when you begin to seek Him and ask Him, and He will give you that direction. Thirdly, how they acted. Well, we find that they worshiped. According to verse 18, look at that, verse 18. Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. What did they do? After they sought him, they worshiped him. Why do we come together week after week, week after week? Well, a couple different reasons, and one of those reasons is why we have a worship service is to worship the Lord. You see, sometimes we ask, and then sometimes we just worship. Sometimes we ask him, sometimes we're praying, and sometimes we just worship. Sometimes we, we've prayed and we feel like that we've prayed and, and it's time and then it's time just to stop and just to worship him. They bow before the Lord. You see, worship, listen to me, worship equips us for warfare. Before they went out to the battlefield, they worshiped the Lord. Worship equips us for warfare. Then what happens? After they worship, they begin to praise. Look at verse 19. Verse 19, then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korites stood up and praised the Lord God of Israel. What? With a very loud voice, with a loud voice on high. However you want to phrase it, they had had this. They had sought the Lord. They had sought his face. He gives them an answer. They fall down and they begin to worship on their faces. And then suddenly, over in the corner somewhere, some Levites, began to stand up and worship with a loud voice. Now, I know all of y'all don't know what I'm talking about, but if you've been in this thing very long, you've been in some services before where everything just kind of seemed ho-hum. But some dear brother or some dear sister, when what nobody else prays them, begins to stand up and worship with a loud voice. You know, when I read this, I just, I guess because that's what I've been raised in. When I read this, I see everybody's been worshiping and everybody has been crying and everybody, but there came a point when some old Levite up in a pew somewhere, when everybody began to say, hey, we have salt, we have worship, but now is the time to praise him for 
for what we believe God is about to do. Now, I know I've been Pentecostal most of my life, and I know a lot of people don't understand it, but every place I look in this Bible, I find time after time, yes, there's a time for meditation. Yes, there's a time for silence. Yes, there's a time to be quiet, but I also find time after time that there also comes a time that the Bible says that we lift up our voice, that we lift up a shout, that we open up our mouths that God has given us, and we give God praise. You see, they praised before they saw the mercy. Look at it. In verse 21, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Come on, some of y'all that said you've been in Sunday school, I know y'all have heard this story a hundred times, but here's a hundred and one. They prayed. They sought the Lord. He answered him. They worshiped. They began to praise. And then Jehoshaphat, in a surprising move, does something that had never been done before. He has the army ready. They've got their swords, their spears, their chariots. They've got all those things. But Jehoshaphat said, I just feel something different in my spirit today. The best are not going out ahead. No, who I'm putting at the front of the army, I'm putting the praisers out in the front of the army. I'm putting some folks that know how to worship and know how to praise before the army. And so that's what he did. And so he got the army lined up and he put the praisers right in front of the army and they began to go give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. So that day as that army began to march it wasn't just the sound of sandals clomping on the dirt. It wasn't even just the sound of swords and spears, the metal tinging together. No, that day it was give thanks to the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Above the sound of the feet, above the sound of the weapons, above the sound of the chariots and the horses was a praise. Folks, I just can't get away from it. You see, we've got to learn to praise God even in the midst of our storms, even in the midst of our battles, even when everything is against us, we have got to be willing to pray before we see the answer, before we see the deliverance. We've got to be willing to praise the Lord for what he's going to do. So we sent out the praisers ahead of the army. And then what happened? They saw the promise fulfilled. We find begins to see verse 22 as they begin to sing and praise the Lord set ambushes against the men of Amnon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated then the men of Amnon and Moab rose up against the man from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir they helped 
to destroy one another. And when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. You see, the enemy wants to destroy us. The enemy is fully intent on destroying your life. The Bible says it, that he's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And the enemy was intent on destroying. But what happened when they began to pray? It was, it was very clear there. As they begin, verse 22, as they begin to sing and praise, the Lord said, ambushes. Immediately, things begin to happen as they begin to praise. God began to set ambushes in the place of the... I don't know what those ambushes were. I don't know if it was bears came out, lions came out, rocks started falling on them. I don't know what happened. But ambushes were set by the Lord. Then all of a sudden, they start turning on one another. And then finally, they all turn on each one of them and every one of them destroyed their cell. I came to speak something over somebody's life today that the enemies that have come against you to destroy you they will be the ones that end up destroying each other and you in the end will look over their defeat as they've destroyed one another. And listen, that would be good enough, wouldn't it? I mean, that's pretty good. That the enemy, they destroyed their self. They didn't even have to worry about them anymore. But then we find that the very plan created for their destruction turned into their blessing. Look at verse 25. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value more then they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. I mean, God, God is so good. It's just by His grace and mercy that He took care of the enemy. But God didn't just stop there. The enemy that was intent on destroying them destroyed each other and then turned into Israel's blessing. What the enemy meant to destroy you, God can take it and turn it around and bless you. That's all right. Give God praise. Some of y'all, some of y'all want that. Some of y'all want for what the enemy is trying to destroy you with, for God to turn it around and bless you. That's not a new concept. You can go back to the book of Genesis and find a guy named Joseph. And he looked at his brothers that had intended to kill him. And they were scared to death after their daddy had died, thinking Joseph was going to exact his revenge on them. But Joseph said, boys, don't you worry about a thing. He said, what you intended to 
harm me. What you meant for evil, God has turned it around for my good. You see, there's, you know, I know that there's significance if you find something one time in the Bible. But when you go finding a theme more than once in the Bible, that is very significant. So can I say to somebody one more time on this 4th of July 2021, what the enemy has meant to destroy you, what the enemy is doing to try to tear you down, what God will do is not only destroy your enemy, but he will take that plan and that scheme that he meant to destroy you and he will completely turn it around and it will be a blessing to you. Then, what happened? Verse 26, we find on the fourth day, remember it took them three days to collect all the stuff. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barak where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the valley of Barak to this day. Folks, you got to be careful. There was nothing wrong. There was, it took them three days. There was so much plunder, so much stuff. It took them three days to collect it all. But when they were done on that fourth day, what happened? They took time to praise the Lord and thank the Lord for what he had done. I'm guilty of it myself too sometimes. God will bless me. God will answer my prayer. You know, when you're in trouble, you're desperate to pray. Maybe you've never been there before, but I've been there. And when things ain't going right, you are desperate. You are praying. You are seeking. And then suddenly when God breaks through and everything is fine, it's tempting to just kind of forget about the one who brought you through. What they did on that fourth day after they collected everything, they stopped and they took time and they praised the Lord. Listen, what God is doing in your life when he turns things around, when he takes what the enemy meant to destroy you, turn it around and ends up blessing you. Listen, after you've collected those blessings, the Lord expects you to praise him. You can be the testimony to somebody. I keep, I keep preaching it. I keep it's on the back of those T-shirts now. We're the city set on a hill. We're the light of the world. But it's not just when we're sitting together in this building. It's when you go off to work. It's when you go off to school and when the people you work with and you live around in your neighborhood and everything and they know what you've been through and then they see God brings you through, it is our responsibility then. When they say, man, how did you get through it? It was the Lord. Somebody says, man, you, were, you, were, you went through a hard time. How did you ever get? It was the Lord. How did you, things were bad. How did, I didn't think you was going to make it. How, it was nobody but the Lord who could have brought me through. And it's then that you can give praise and honor and glory. Can I tell you, that is the best witness right there. More than showing up at their door, and there's nothing wrong with this, but more than showing up at their front door with a track. But it's when they begin to ask you, well, how would you get through that? And you could say, it was nobody but Jesus who could have brought me through this. Finally, we find they were then awarded with rest. Verse 30, and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat 
was at peace. For God had given him rest on every side. I need to tell somebody that there will come a time of peace. I don't know why some people seem to be taken, it seems, through more than others. But I believe it's biblical that after a battle, after a storm, after a trying time, the Lord will bring you a time of rest. Some of you here today, you, you want that. Some of you here today, you're saying, Lord, I, I need that. I need that. Well, listen to your pastor this morning. I'm telling you, this book tells, hold on, keep on. God's going to deliver you. You thank him, you praise him, and he's going to bring you a time of rest. Stand with me, if you will, please, this morning. This chapter that begins with danger, fear, and trouble all around. It ends with joy, praise, quiet, and rest. You say, I am firmly convinced that we can pray and praise our way through every difficulty. There is nothing that our God cannot do. He's able. He's able. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. I know this morning, I'm not trying to act super spiritual. I hate it when people lie about stuff and try to make it seem more phenomenal. I've been told, I know because people have told me, there are some here, and you really need, you need answers. You need direction. You need the Lord to open doors. You need the Lord to show you what to do, where to go. I'm convinced that the Lord will help you. I know, not just because, listen, I, I've read and I've preached to you. My sermon was not, but this story is powerful. I've preached to you from a very powerful story in the Scripture where the Lord has done it. But I'm not even just preaching to you about something that I've read, and that would be enough. But I can tell you personally, I know that the Lord will bring you through anything, every tough time, every difficult time, if you will put your eyes on Him, seek His face, praise Him and worship Him. He will take what the enemy meant to destroy you, and He'll turn it around for your good. If you're here this morning, I'm not going to call anybody out. I don't feel led to, even though I know that there are several. And you need the Lord to direct you, and you need the Lord to help you in this time. And you say, Lord, I need you to do that. I need you to open doors. I need you, to, I need you at this time in my life. I need your direction. They said, we don't have the power. We don't even know what to do. But we're going to put our eyes on Jesus. 
If that's, here, if that's you here today and you say, I don't have the power, I don't even know what to do, but I'm going to put my eyes on Jesus. I want you to just come and find a place right here in these altars right now. Anybody in this place, I'm not pulling nobody out. I'm not doing any of that, but I am opening these altars.